0: The Drum Candy Podcast is brought to you by Drum Factory Direct.
1: What's up, everyone? Welcome into episode 36 of the Drum Candy Podcast. This is your host, Mike Dawson, coming to you from Drum Factor Direct in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. This week's guest is the great modern jazz drummer, educator, and author Ulysses Owens, Jr. Ulysses has performed with the greats of modern jazz, including Christian McBride and Kurt Elling. He also leads his own band. He's a producer. He's written two books as of now, and there's more on the way. One is called The Musician's Career Guide that came out in 2021. And he also has jazz brushes for The Bottom Drummer that came out in 2021. 2020. He's on faculty at Juilliard School of Music. Very busy man, so we, um, we're we focusing this entire episode on what it takes to sound to get an authentic jazz sound. So let's get to it with Ulysses Owens Jr. First question. Kind of appropriate. Um, your hectic schedule is yes. <laughs> gigging, leading a band, producing records, making records. You're an author, I believe, teaching. So what is the primary focus for you right now?
0: Well, I mean, that's an interesting um, question. I mean, I think before I answer it, I have to acknowledge the um, pandemic, right? So Mm -hmm. I think, you know, all of us were doing 20, 30 things and doing it extraordinarily. And then work happened, excuse me, pandemic happened. And so work for many of us kind of got redefined. So I would say, um, though I am all of those things, all of those things aren't necessarily happening at the same time. Mm. So I would say like right now, you know, I'm focusing mainly on my work as an educator, uh, which means, you know, I'm not back to school at Juilliard. So we are basically doing, you know, what, two classes a week, um, you know, and all the meetings that, you know, come with that. Um, I've am artistic director at Don't Miss a Beat um, in Jacksonville, Florida. So I'm, you know, on campus there at least two to three times a week. So I fly back and forth every week. Um, I'm also a new father. So, um, navigating um, all of that, you know, as a co parent, you know, with, with my son's mother. And she's in, incredible um, in terms of, you know, taking care of him and things like that in the midst of my absence, um, you know, weekly and stuff like that. So, I, you know, kind of my time with him is the weekend and all that um and then i think beyond that you know i'm always planning other stuff like i'm also working on my upcoming book projects so that literary agent now mm-hmm. so i think that you know back to the core of your question i think how i manage it all is i i decide like what are kind of the core tenets so for me you know monday you know i say it like this like fridays through mondays that's sort of like my florida like time you know to make sure everything is cool don't miss a beat everything is cool you know with my son and, you know, whatever else that's kind of Florida related. Then I have, you know, sort of Tuesday through Thursday, um, which is kind of my, you know, New York Juilliard, whatever other things I need to be done with my management kind of here, and then there's like virtually, you know, where I'm, you know, talking to my literary agent once every couple of weeks. And we're saying, okay, based on these, you know, upcoming book proposals for these new book projects, like here are the different like moments you need to turn things in and, you know, stuff like that. So I think I'm kind of isolated in that right now. And then like, then we get to like February where I'm like back on the road more, you know, and I'm, you know, doing a lot of what I was doing before, but then now I'm, you know, instead of maybe being in Florida, you know, Friday through Monday, I may be somewhere else playing on Saturday. So I think what is important for me is to one, I can't have any delays in my schedule. Like, so for instance, if someone asks me to do something, like I have to take care of it, like within 24 hours, because I always say to them by the time tomorrow comes. Something else is going to happen. So, like when you were like, Hey, should we reschedule? And I'm like, No, because it'll, it will, we'll be emailing for another two weeks because something else will happen. So, I think the first kind of thing that helps me maintain those core tenants is I take care of things in time mm-hmm. so that, you know, I don't forget them or they just get lost in the shuffle. Um, I think another big thing is I have an incredible team. You know, like I don't, you know, it's not just me like running all over the place. I, I have a great manager, I have an assistant. And then, like for Florida, I have, you know, my family I also have an assistant um, and kind of business manager there. Um, you know, like I said, I've got, you know, several agents, like I've got probably a team of, you know, 10, 12 people who at will, I can get to help me um, to get things done. So I'm not this like mastermind guy that's like, just got his shit together and, um, you know, doing everything perfectly. No, know, I have a lot of really smart people in my life that help me execute.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: and then I would say the last piece of that is I'm very important about what's valuable to me. So like when you hit me up on Instagram, um, having had my own show where I interviewed drummers, um, I was honored that you reached out to me. But then secondly, I saw kind of your like what your vibe was about. And I, I saw like kind of you, you really want to get to the heart of, of the drummer and you really want to like ask sincere questions. And I like, guess it's a, it's a it's a it's a mission and vision for you. So I was like, I want to I want to interact with this guy. But I've also been approached by other people where I didn't feel that. Mm-hmm. So I think for me, I'm very value driven where I'm like, OK, if this person or this thing or this entity ties into the same kinds of values that I like believe in, then I will partner with them and do something no matter how micro or macro. If this person doesn't, I'm very kind, but I'm like, hey, I can't do it at this time. So I think being able to say no more than you say yes is what allows you to not be overcommitted. And then it also means that what you do commit to will be excellent. So mm-hmm. those are kind of that's kind of a long answer of how I navigate all the different things. But I think I, every day though, I, I ask myself the question, like, is this important to me? Um, and I will say like once sort of the last part of this answer, once my son arrived on the planet about a few months ago, that completely changed me because mm-hmm. then it became, is this going to help me build a future for him? <laughs> you know, is this going to help me to make you know his life better? Is it going to help me to have more time with him? you know so then then the 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 focus became like how because now like i'm in charge you know um obviously with his mother but now i'm in charge of a life and a future so like now it's it's not just like oh i'll go and do this three-week tour in europe and just like make some money and just hang out and see my friends now it's like well that's three weeks away from him so you know Mm -hmm. so i think that having a child also made me really be more future driven even with my manager i was like Hey, we need to like kick this up a notch. I have a son now. Like I need to be making sure that I can pay for college. I need to be making sure I can pay for whatever he needs today. Like, and he was like, all right. You know, so I became even more laser focused when I realized that I I have an addition, you know, um, to my life that I'm responsible for.
1: Right on. So you're with you traveling so much. Do you take advantage of that time to be productive and creative or is that your time to? Oh, just zone out? Okay.
0: Oh, absolutely. So, so for me, I don't have any dead time. Like, so for instance, like if I'm traveling, um, first of all, I, I really love spending time alone. Like I'm, I'm a loner. <laughs> so, same, same. Um, so, um, so yeah, that time, like if I'm up in the morning, like, you know, I just got re- recently into audiobooks. Um, so once I'm up in the morning, I'm either listening to an audio book, like something that's feeding the spirit constantly. And I don't mean spirit in, in that like religious, but meaning like, is it feeding a business idea I have, or is it feed, or just teaching me something about the world or like my book projects coming up. I've been doing a lot of reading about like, um, sort of the, the, the history of the black American life. So I've been ingesting a lot of stuff from really notable authors. So from the morning I'm, I'm taking in something or it's a podcast or whatever, then, you know i'm checking my emails constantly like what do i need to respond to you know um and then you know even when i'm eating i'm eating and reading the book or i'm eating and watching a documentary like so i think for me that's another thing when i'm traveling i'm that's i'm not just like oh let me just focus on the gig yeah i'm focusing on the gig but i'm also building these other things while i'm focusing on the gig. So i'm also like saying all right these like i have a, a to-do list every day um and I look at it every night before the next morning, and so I say, okay, what what needs to be done, um, and then it's like short term and long term, and then I'm like, okay, during the day, what can I get done before it's time for like sound check or to focus on like learning music or whatever. Um, but yeah, so I think that that's kind of what helps me when I travel is that I don't stop working versus I know some musicians they go on the road and they're like, hey, if it ain't about the gig don't talk to me mm-hmm. I, I can't afford to do that being an artistic director and a small ensemble director and a writer and a you know like I can, mm-hmm. can never I tell the people tell people all the time like I can never sign off like I always laugh like during the holidays you know you email somebody and you get that little like, Reply like, hey! Um, I will be answering emails after such and such date. I'm like, I've never been given that luxury. <laughs> like, if I don't respond to emails in three weeks, it's a lot of shit that's gonna fall, you know. And not saying that I don't, that my team can't handle it, but I don't, I don't ever sign off completely. I mean, like, I have my my days in the week. Like Sundays are kind of my days where I'm like, I see my son, I spend time with family, and maybe I just like, you know, and like take in good music. But other than that, like. I have to be going every day until I get where I want to go because um, I feel like I'm not where I want to be yet. So I feel like if you, you know, in one regard, you're hearing people be like, man, how did you achieve your dreams? But if you like, man, I don't do anything on the weekend. Well, then something has to balance. Now, if I all of a sudden look up and, you know, I'm a multimillionaire and I have properties all over the place and I have a great college fund for my son. And I, you know, i am booked 200 days out of the year with my projects and I got, you know my label is doing well and all, like then yeah we can we can send an auto reply but i ain't there <laughs> <laughs> so until that until that day comes um i will be working every day it's <laughs> called ambition
1: folks that's called ambition so where does where does drumming fall into your daily routine and practice well is that, that's a really great question so um i've been
0: as of uh, what, december 6th i turned 39 um and i've been playing drums for over well, since I was two years old. So I've been playing drums for 37 years. Mm-hmm. So at this point, my love for the drums is so incredibly deep. Um, and and it's it's really something that is just, it's, it's part of me. It's like breathing for me, right? So I think my goals as a drummer now um, are more around as being a band leader and drummer. Because now it's like, how do I, you know, I'm not really doing side stuff anymore. So it's like, how do I make sure that my chops and the things that are important to me as a drummer to communicate through the music don't falter? Um, so, yeah, I think for me, I like to make sure I'm playing several times a week or I make sure, you know, at least playing once a week. But I think as a drummer, my goals are, are shifting um, and I'm doing a lot of like educational things. But I mean, I love the instrument so much that like I'm going to make sure that I'm, Playing on the level I need to play on, you know. So, for instance, during the pandemic, I started a jam session in Florida, and I was playing every week. and That really took me to like the next level as a drummer, just you know, getting getting the chops, kind of dusted off. Now that I'm kind of back to touring and like I know that I have you know five to ten gigs a month, I feel like in the the touring, in the playing, all that that kind of helps me to keep that stuff happening. um And then yeah, I think goals as a drummer, I'm more focused now. Um, like before it was like, oh, I want to be really like a really great funk drummer and a great this and a great that. Now it's like, man, I'm a jazz drummer. Like I, I'm a jazz drummer. I'm unashamed about it. I'm unashamed of the focus of that. And I love it. And I want, you know, like now I'm, I, I think about drummers like Billy Higgins. Um, I think about drummers, you know, like Frankie Dunlap. And when I play the kit now, I'm like, I want to sound like an authentic jazz drummer. So I think that's what my focus is now. So w- what helps me with that is the listening. So I now find myself going back and listening to more records than I did. You know, like the pandemic made me fall back in love with listening to jazz mm. um, because jazz was such was such work for me in terms of like you know the you know being on the road and all that. Like the the work and the and the touring and all that kind of took away from the love of it because I was just so busy. But then when the pandemic happened, it allowed me to fall back in love with. It, so as a result of it, I now find myself, you know, listening to records or playing on the records and be like, wow, okay, like, cymbal beat sounds good. You need to round it out more, you know, or, you know, I just switched over from um, Vic Firth to Promark and from Remo to Evans. So that has changed my sound completely. So I, I literally played a gig Sunday and I was like, okay, I think I'm finally settling into like what this new sound I have, like as a drummer, because I've just changed gear. You know how that is, like mm-hmm. when you change gear it takes you a while to like kind of find your footing because I've been playing the same kind of stuff for at least like seven, eight years. So um so I feel like I'm more excited to be a drummer now because I feel like there's, you know, I've, I've, I haven't toured heavily in like two years. So every time I play, it's like new and fresh. And even like the last three times I've played in the, in the last few weeks, I sound different. I'm like, wow, like I, I hear something different evolving my sound and I think it's because of all the stuff I've been you know going through in my life and that affects your sound so I think that to answer your question I think being like where drums fall in I'm really excited about being a drummer now Mm -hmm. like I'm excited about it and I feel like a freshness about it because I feel like for many years it was like oh I play drums to make a living Mm -hmm. now I make a living being an educator um you know an author like entrepreneur and then i play drums because i love it so it's like it's sort of flipped so i'm able to like approach the instrument kind of like with a childlike sense of love you know versus um before it was like get these symbols man i go make this money you know so i'm (laughs) good so i think the more the more ambitious i become with these other business pursuits i can actually like love the drums like how i used to love it as a kid
1: yeah um
0: so yeah so that's i hope that answered your question
1: yeah for sure i mean that takes me right into the main topic um a student comes to you, I mean let's say they've got several years under their belt of playing the instrument. So they got they mm-hmm. they can play the instrument, but they really want mm-hmm. to learn how to be an authentic sounding jazz drummer. So if you're yep. tracing through your your progression and how you've kind of digested all this this history, where would you take someone day 1? Would you go Chronological? Would you say, well, you got to go back to Louis Armstrong and start there, yeah. or do you go? What do you like now? Like, what would or pick a drummer? What would be your path?
0: So uh, I'm so glad you talked You were talking about this because I'm I'm actually in one of my meetings I have coming up soon is with a major uh, drum entity online, and and they want me to come on board um, because of my jazz educational background, and they want me to kind of start a whole thing. And so um, and and let me also mention that I have several courses with um, an entity called Open Studio Jazz. Um, And, you know, one is called Finding Your Beat. Another is The Art of Swing. And the other is Jazz Drumming 101, um, which kind of addresses some of what I'm about to talk about. So um, but what I'm excited about with this meeting I'm getting ready to have is that I think it's going to put me in a position where I can present a more fundamental approach to jazz drumming to a larger body of people. So I just want to say that first. Mm. To answer your question, I, I have to start with what is disgusting me first. Mm. <laughs> what is disgusting me is first of all, I want to say I love Instagram and I love, you know, I'm not on TikTok and all that, but I love what social media is doing and emp- and how it is empowering the artist. I think we no longer are trapped um and no longer are voiceless so i love that and and i'm incredibly grateful to social media i mean you wouldn't even find me had it not been for social media so let me state that my second thing is what disgusts me is that what the truth is about anything is not being so diluted mm-hmm. right and so to your point when a drummer starts with me the first thing i say to them is what is your goal so they say hey i'm coming to you because i want to be a really good jazz drummer and i've had drummers say oh man i want to be the next you and i say to them no i'm already taken so like who do you want to be but i say to them you know what is your goal like is your goal that you want to have a sustainable career you want to be known you know as a really talented jazz drummer you want to be hired by the masters um and they say yes that's what i want because that's what i wanted like Mm -hmm. there was no social media there was no instagram i wanted to be able to be the drummer that when people thought about man i got a great band and I want to play this music and I want this, this music is also linked to Alvin and Roy and all the, the lineages of jazz drummers that have, have changed our life. I wanted to be part of that lineage. So I wanted it to be, you know, you got Roy, Elvin, and all them. Then you got Lewis, Nash, Tane and whatever. Then you got, you know, Hutch and Willie Jones and the Sheep. Then you got my generation, you know, Kendrick and, you know, Jonathan Blake and myself. And then now you got this whole other generation. So and that's what I wanted to do is be part of the canon. Mm-hmm. Of great jazz drummers. With that said, when a student arrives to me, I say because of that, you have to start at the beginning of that canon. And you have to start at the beginning of that canon multidimensionally. So hands, you got to study the rudiments. If you really want to make sure your rudiments are sound, obviously you download the 28th essential, but then there are some books that can help. A big thing for me, even if a drummer is interested in jazz, I am really big on classical snare drum technique. Mm-hmm. So I start drummers with the rudiments, but then um a large part of my upbringing, once I got into formal training was learning like Sarone, you know, and Delaclose, you know, and Pratt. Because I find that in jazz, a lot of times we just are into like concept kind of like vibing and this and and the shit's not clean. Mm-hmm. So I'm so my what I resonate with is like clean, beautiful chops and groove so i start them first with the hands with kind of that journey you know um and and i make a distinction between classical rep and marching i think marching in bugle corps is great for the, the sort of the fraternal element of it and and you're you know you're you're out in the field and it's great it's, it's sportsmanship but i don't really think it helps you when it comes to drum set because i've I've been teaching now over 20 years and i've seen more players make a great transition from classical to jazz than from marching to jazz because of the touch Mm -hmm. so that's the first thing with the hands is you know we got to do rudiments we got to cover some some basic classical snare drum stuff um you know and you just got to understand your yourself on on, like with one drum then i transition into you know jazz drumming and i start with the ride (laughs) cymbal like that is you know i go back to jimmy cobb you know um my kind of blue or I go to, you know, um, I mean, really Kenny Clark, who invented the ride symbol pattern, you know, or, or at least transferred it from the hi-hat to, to ride. Um, so I go there, like that's kind of where, where I start. Um, and then, and then it becomes like style. Then it becomes, okay, well, you got to be able to have a good ride symbol beat. You got to be able to, especially today, play a bassa, a funk or whatever, you know. So then I started dealing with all those things, um, and then from there it becomes like you got to just listen to this music. Like what you what you listen to is what you become and is what you sound like. So one of the other things that disgusts me is that none of these new drummers are listening to anything anymore. They're just watching everything, mm. you know. So like they'll like somebody will watch our interview before they go check out a record of Kenny Clark um and so that that is the other piece so those are like major things for me and then the third sort of piece is you gotta play like you you have to play with other people and I think that is the other part of my discuss is that you know I won't mention any names but there are several people that are very popular right now for jazz drumming and they don't have any gigs in jazz <laughs> and mm-hmm. And I mean, in one regard, I'm happy for them because as an entrepreneur, I'm like, man, that's some great, that's some great shit. Like that's some great branding, some great, you know, you know, marketing. But as a as a gate, you know, I feel like soon I will be one of the not necessarily gatekeepers, but like holders of the tradition is a better term. I'm like, you have not come into this lineage, like you have not been part of this lineage. You know what I mean? Like when I got to New York, people are like, for you to be considered legitimate, there are certain people that need to like musically touch you, you know. Um, And so I've gone through, you know, I had lessons with Kenny Clark, you know, I knew Ralph Peterson, you know, I knew, you know, Michael Carvin and those cats know who I am like, you know, I went to the gigs of, you know, Roy Haynes, I went to the gig to see Elvin. I went to go see, you know, like, I, I put my time in, you know, so when I like, for instance, when I started my drum show, when I started reaching out to all these people. All these drummers started calling, you know, even like, you know, when it ended, I was so drugged because I had all, like I had episodes coming up with like John Riley and like all these great people because they were like, Ulysses, we're so proud of you. Like we remember when you got here and you like came and you sat on our feet and now you like have your own voice. Mm-hmm. So to me, that's my problem is that you know, sort of the third piece of like playing, but also like you've gotta like, you gotta like be part of the the tradition and you gotta be mentored and and like taught by the tradition. And so that's the, the the pieces that that I don't like now, which is which is how I inform my students who are interested back to your question on um, how to get better is, you know, you got, you got the hands, the technical side, then you got the independence coordination, then you got the records. Then you got, you know, you got to check out the masters and you got to, you know, those that are still left, learn from them or if you can't learn from them, learn from someone who learned from them. And then there's the playing piece. And then, you know, sort of the final thing about that is you have to play this music with other people. You cannot sit and take 20, you know, Instagram video lessons from even Rick Hutchinson, who's my boy that does not qualify you to be a jazz drummer. That just means that you sat down and learned from a really killing jazz drummer. Mm-hmm. But what makes Greg Hutchinson who he is is that he's going to close that laptop down. He's going to get on stage and he's going to play with three or four people or whoever, and he's going to sound killer because that is the genius of who he is. And so what we're missing is we're like in front of a laptop and then we think like, all right, I'm good. And then what happens is you get on the bandstand and you're disconnected and you're like, why am I not? Telling, Why am I not this? Why am I not that? Well, because you spent more time in front of a laptop than you have with a bass player who has breath and who's a human being and a pianist who has breath and who's a human being and connecting. And that's the piece that if we're not careful, we're going to lose the reality of music is connectivity. It's, it's souls and bodies and organisms, all of us connecting through music. And, and, and this is just a kind of a supplement to help us to understand more about it. But this is not the new gateway, mm-hmm. even if it means... Me and these other two people play, and we play in front of this. We still have to have that connected. So anyway, I know that was a long answer. know. <laughs> <laughs> great,
1: that got right to yeah. it. So, uh, interesting topic. So there's a there's a club here in Pittsburgh that that streams gigs, and yeah. you, can, you can go see too. Uh, so the other night, I was watching my friend Tom Went play on a live stream, and it sounded beautiful, sounded like a record. But dynamically, I was like, oh, they're you know they're they're kind of playing a little quiet, you know, controlled. I went to the to the club for the second set, they were hitting. So like the, the way that it translated to the absolutely. internet totally different. Like absolutely. emotionally I felt like, whoa, I just I mean, that was great. That was like listening to a record, but to be in there where the air was moving and actually feel yeah. the rim shots. Like yeah. can you speak to that? Like the idea of the dynamics of oh, absolutely. this music. It's I mean, it's not it's not all quiet. It's not all loud. Like what is yeah. you know, the importance of that.
0: Well, well, I'll take it further back. I mean, it's like the dynamics of having a conversation. If you and I were having the same conversation at a cafe, you know, it would be even, I think, even better. I mean, it's killing now, but it would be even better because there's the, like, you and I are affected by whatever's happening around us. You know, Mm -hmm. who's to say me and you would be talking and a, a record may come on and all of a sudden it changes our conversation, right? So I, you know, and when I moved to New York, one of the things that people kept telling me was, man, we wish you got to see Art Blake.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And 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 I and I would say, well, if you can't, I couldn't see him, but can you tell me what it was like? And everybody talks to me about when he played that press role or like when, you know, people would be lined up and down, you know, the street um, in front of Sweet Nasals. Or, you know, even though he had lost his hearing late in it's like, just hearing that, bang, bang, you know, they said it, it just, it could lift you.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So I think for me, um, that is something that to your point, I think we have to stay in touch with live music when we can, you know, obviously we have to be safe first, but when we're able to re-engage, we need to understand exactly what you said. There is a difference. Like a music is like the truth and streaming is trying to... You know consolidate that truth where it's more you know accessible <laughs> but but accessibility does not replace truth so i think as long as we understand that if you want to be a successful jazz musician like you have to you know you you have to make sure that you have access to experiencing it live then i think then then once all this stuff is subsided then i think you people will stay in con- you know stay in contact and continue to make sure they make time but i i that's why i said i think we have to be careful because we're kind of replacing you know, we're kind of like oh well instead of this then we'll do this it's like no 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 no. we're doing this because this is our only option mm-hmm. but once we're done with this let's go back to this <laughs> you know because mm-hmm. that doesn't that so to your point yeah i think we just have to make sure we understand that the relevance um or the order of relevance of what we should be focused on you know
1: do you find your when you play in a studio that you dynamically play differently or are you trying yeah. to do the same
0: well, well, so that's always like the difference between like, you know, the first couple takes and, you know, you getting settled in after a couple hours. Um, I typically when I'm in the studio, I, I take one can and I, I kind of have it like half year, mm. you know, like I'll either do this or I'll kind of even split it. Um, because what I find is when I put the cans on and I, I, I have really good um, headphones, I love to use uh, ultrasound headphones, um, uh, monitors um versus like the in-ears i I can't get into that at all (laughs) but i like the i like the ultrasound because of the way they they surround my ears but what i find is that when i'm in the studio sometimes i play harder when i have the cans on like this Mm -hmm. so when i remove the can and i do this then it's like even my talking voice you balance it and you actually like play according to how you play live because you're like okay why am i hitting so? like i don't actually hit that hard i actually and more relaxed so um those are one things that one of the things that helped me with my touch in the studio is to make sure i'm hearing myself and the sound of the room how i am on stage and then the other is so that you know i can hear the bass and the piano or whatever but i i, I like to always make sure i have that because my i don't want to change my touch um unless there's something specific like i gotta dig in and do but for the most part i i, I have that hybrid thing with the cans mm. you,
1: know. you mentioned um you know, clarity and precision. And I think that's a kind of a hallmark of your playing. It's really mm-hmm. precise. So I'm, I want to, you know, what, how do you practice that? Um, so we're talking <laughs> clarity, intensity, lower volumes primarily, um, and then stick choice. Does that have any any role in, in the situation?
0: Well, yeah. So I use it. Th- so for many years, I was endorsed by Regal Tip Jazz um, or Regal Tip. And they, I had a signature stick with them. Um, and they also had a stick model that I, it's incredible. Um, it's called the Jazz, um, and they had it in wood tip and they had it in nylon, and that, that was like the stick that I found my sound on. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was because of the length, but also the lightness of it. Um, so I played I played that stick for a really long time, um, really long time. Then I switched to Bigfoot recently, uh, you know, before ProMark, and I started playing the, the MJC two. Which was a good stick but it wasn't a nylon so i kept using the regal tip nylon in my right hand and i used the mjc two in the left because I, i've always said that the right hand in jazz particularly does different things than the left hand does you know your right hand is going to be playing a cymbal 90 percent of the time your left hand is going to be playing drums um versus if you're a funk drummer your right hand is going to be kind of playing you know hi-hat drums like it's, it's a little bit more of a equality between what both hands will be doing versus in jazz, that right hand is completely different. So why am I playing the same stick, you know, in for the right hand that I am in the left hand when they have two different roles? Mm -hmm. Secondly, I got sick of using wood tips that wear out, right? Because I got to a point, especially when I start working a lot, you know, I'd be, you know, having two, three recording sessions a week, I'd be playing every night or be on tour every week, or especially like with Kurt or McBride, you know, we'd be on the road 200, 220, 30 days a year. So I McBride wants to hear the same thing every night, you know, in terms of my consistency of sound, the same with Kurt and all the other people I play with. So if all of a sudden, you know, I'm on the road for three weeks and I've got, you know, 12 or 20 pairs of wood tips that wood tip is only gonna sound the same for about three to four nights, maybe a week. Then after that, I'm gonna be having to pick up a new wood tip. So I got into nylon because I like the consistency of it and I never have to worry about it changing on me unless it just breaks. So to your point, the clarity and the consistency does tie first into the stick. Mm-hmm. And I like a lighter stick because it allows me to play the stick and not the stick to play me. Um, I always tell my students, you know, when we go through the stick selection, selection process, is to choose a stick that you can play, not one that plays you. And what I mean is that when you play a stick, you have the ultimate control over the throw and and the manipulation of your wrist and the fingers, like you can make that stick do whatever you want it to do. When you play a stick that's too big for you, it's forcing you, it's throwing, you know, some sticks, you know, can throw your your shoulder Mm -hmm. out or, or it gets your balance off. And so then you find yourself like, you can't even play grooves. So I think stick choice, is really important in clarity and consistency and articulation. Then, a, a lesson um, that Kenny Washington taught me was playing in the center of the drum. Um, when you learn how to play in the center of the drum, which is the hardest shit to do, <laughs> because mm-hmm. the center of the drum, you know, is not always easy, because of by the time the tension hits the center, sometimes the center can be softer than the, the outer edges. So learning how to practice and get your rudiments and the clarity right in the center of the drum, that is a whole other thing. And then on top of that, I practice with the snares off Hmm. so that you can really hear the sound of the drum and the resonance of the drum. And if you can make a snare sound really good and your rudiments with the snares off, by the time you turn the the snares on, it's, you know, that's that's icing on the cake. So that's one real key thing for me is, you know, stick choice, practicing in the center of the drum so i'm getting sound out of the drum practicing with the snares off um also i don't practice 50 rudiments i always say I, I i do about five maybe three to five rudiments. paradiddle single stroke buzz rolls if you want to really hook up your technique and your clarity practice buzz rolls in the center of the drum every day for 15 minutes um, you do that nonstop, like 15 minutes a day you will Whatever technical issues you have, I promise you, if you do it seven days, you will be a different drummer in seven days, because it's something about all the stuff you have to work through to make a buzz roll right in the center of the snare drum. Um, it will affect how you play on the ride cymbal, it will affect how you hit drum, you know, toms and all that. So that's a big thing for me. And then the other part is I'm really into um, vocal, like like I love singers. So I've always said that I wanted my my drumming to be as clear as a vocalist. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I hit, you know, like if I play a solo, I want the the same way you hear Sarah Scott or the same way you hear uh, Carmen McRae or, you know, Billy Eckstein and the clarity the, and the pacing, I want my drumming to have that same clarity, you know, where it's palatable and accessible. Um, and so that's something I've always liked because the drummers I love like Lewis Nash, you know, Alan Dawson, you know, Higg, you know, Philly Joe Jones, like there's a clarity and a, a consistency and an articulation. And that that's so I'm kind of on that side of the, the jazz drumming, like Max Roach, you know, like the real clear, mm-hmm. articulate, precise um, drumming versus other drummers who are more so into, you know, maybe more of the kind of looser way or, you know, more like, you know, you know I mean, I, I don't want to, you know, create the wrong kind of comparisons, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I've always been into that and into clarity. Um and some people don't dig that. I mean I've heard some people you know come to me and be like man that shit's too clean. I need to be dirty. And I'm like, well call somebody else.
2: <laughs> True, <you should> say. <laughs> my thing.
1: Forks drum closet, Nashville's full line drum store. Celebrating its fortieth year in business, Forks is independently owned and operated in the heart of Music City. Specializing in drums and percussion, Forks offers great discounts on all major brands and will beat any retailer's advertised price. From new and used equipment, vintage drums, and marching and orchestral instruments, Forks has something for every drummer. They also offer professional rental, repair, and restoration services as well as drum lessons. Stop by their storefront at 308 Chestnut Street in Nashville, Tennessee or call 615-383-8343 or go online at ForksDrumCloset.com. (laughs)
0: <laughs> what sticks
1: are you using? What's your ProMark up to so,
0: um so, so now what I'm doing with ProMark, at some point I'm going to be designing a signature stick with them. But for the time being, um, I, I, love, I have to say I love their craftsmanship. And I like the, um When they send me a brick of sticks, each stick within the brick feels the same. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and you and I both know that's not the case. So uh-huh. um, I'm using, um, I think it's a, the, the Rebound 7A nylon tip in my right hand. Um, and then I'm using, um, the, the seven, um, sort of the, uh, ProMark, the 7A, uh, rebound, uh, wood tip in the left, or excuse me, the Elvin Jones in the left. Hand. Mm. Um, I've been also, the reason why I was confused, cause sometimes I mess around with the, they have like a 7A, I think it's a rebound, like long, and it's really beautiful. Um, it's kind of like an acorn tip. I use that sometimes in the left hand. But, um, but yeah, I, I wanted to bring Elven stick back. So yeah, I use the Elven stick in the left hand and then, you know, the rebound nylon in the right. Um, I love their brushes. I'm using, I think it's like the TB4 and TB3. The, 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 I think the TB4 is like the really thin, thin ones. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love those. And then and the TB3 as well are really beautiful. They have like a blue tip on the end. Um, I love Regal Tip, or excuse me, Pro ProMark's Mallets. Um they make really great Tiffany Mallets. So I think it's like the TPTS... It's, it's actually all of them. It's like the PTS one, two, three, and four. I'm using like all of them, um, so I like those. But that's kind of what I've been. I've, I've kind of found my rhythm with those. I've been with them since about like maybe October ish. Um, mm-hmm. But I would say in the last you know couple months, especially since like Pasic in December, um, I've, the sticks feel like I, like I'm no longer like forcing my technique on the stick. I feel like the stick is now kind of starting to like fit into my hands. So mm-hmm. it's been cool.
1: What is your Evans head choice?
0: So, I, um, it's funny. So, when I signed with them, um, they were like, well, we want you to kind of be like the jazz face of our calf tone head, um, which I never was like a fiber skin guy. Um, I always loved um, the sort of ambassador, you know, white coated head um so i was like okay you know i'll, shit, I'll check it out man i love these cap tone heads because mm-hmm. they really are warm and i feel like like i just i was in the studio session last weekend and i went i was listening to the playbacks and the toms were so full and punchy you know and it, and i felt like when i put that the cap tone head on my toms and my bass drum, it's like that it really focuses the sound and it gets like right to the heart of the tone versus i feel like sometimes with a white coated head. Um, sometimes you got to fight with those overtones. Mm-hmm. And so I think the cap tone kind of eliminates those overtones and it gets right to the, the tonal center um, of the drum. So I use calf tone on my toms and I use like the EMAG calf tone on my bass drum. And then on my snare, I still like that G1 coated, you know, sort of white coated uh, sound because I, I like to have some of the overtones coming off the snare. Mm-hmm. Um, the calf tone is nice on the snare, but it's very, it, it's, it's that sort of, calf skin vibe and, and and on my snare, I need to have a lot more range. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so that's what I've been using. On my studio kit, I use the UV1 coated on my toms and um, bass drum. And then same, you know, like on one of my snare drums, I have a UV1 and then I have a G1. Um, and then they also have some other cool things as well. Um, like some of the, it's kind of like an etched um, thing I use on like, cause, cause I have a concert snare drum set up in my studio um, for my students. Um, so, I use kind of more of that like etched series. It's, 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 it, it reminds you of like a Remo Renaissance, but it's Evan's kind of
1: mm-hmm.
0: her take on it. Um, and I really, really love that. I, matter of fact, I have to look up um, what it is so I can get the right. Uh,
1: is that the is Strata or the J1? Yeah, the Strata. Strata. Think, yeah,
0: yeah. Aaron, I kill me. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's just, uh, yeah, the Strata 1000. You know, yeah, because it's that's the other thing. I love Evans, but they have so many names for his. So so Aaron and I laugh. Aaron Bishra, who's their their um rep, I laugh because I'm like, I don't I don't know what the name of it is, but it sounds like this. He's like, Oh, it's it's the this or it's you the know, so I'm, I'm still getting <laughs> I'm still getting my names together.
1: But, yeah. So you're using that uh EMAD caftone on your 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 jazz kit?
0: Yeah, so I so let me clarify. I use eighteen and twenty inch um, bass drums. Mm-hmm. So when I'm playing big man, I use a twenty. And yes, I use the E mat. I think it's like the E mat four, cap tone, um, and I really like it because I, I need I need that punch. You know, I'm playing you know big man, but I'm also I've got some funk tunes and stuff. Mm-hmm. So like I I need I need that twenty to hit. When I get to my eighteen, I use just the cap tone. 18 you know Got with it. no kind of stuff in there um and then i use a little towel you know to kind of get some of the muscle, but i want the tone but again that's what i love about the calf tone is that it focuses that sound because even when i used to use like a coated head um again you get all these the overtones and it almost takes uh, like two to three weeks for that that ambassador and you know to settle in, and even then it still sounds like your bass drum is a tongue mm. and i'm i'm of the you know i'm of the kind of like I love bebop drumming but I'm still of the like mindset like I want my bass drums to sound like bass drums mm-hmm. I don't want them to sound like many times now I have a setup Tama's about to send me um, a, a, a n- another bass drum soon but it's like a 16 well with the 16 I'm cool for it to sound like a tom but even their 16 is punchy mm-hmm. but I, I'm not into that like bass you know like bass four time stuff like mm-hmm. I want to I want to press on that pedal and I want to I wanna hear the, the low end of a kid you know
1: What's your uh, drum set What Tama, right? You play Tama. So
0: I'm using, yes, yeah, so I'm using, I've been with Tama now for probably like seven, eight years. Um, I really love their drums, man. They're one of the only, you know, and I'm, you know, if I ruffle some feathers here, I could care less, but <laughs> they're one of the only companies that are hand-making drums. Um, and I've always been a fan of Japanese manufacturing. I feel like, you know, I used to be a Yamaha guy years ago and, and Yamaha pre- what they're doing now. I think they're still making good drums, but they're, they're you know, it's different. Um, but Tama, I used their Star Series. And their Star Series is great because it's a type of series that um, is the highest level of drum making. You know what I mean, like, you know, when I got my drums, that I got like five postcards from like different incredible Japanese craftsmen with their names. I like saw their faces. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. And they're like, I did this and I did that and I did this. <laughs> Right. Mm-hmm. and that to me is the kind of instrument i want to play because that's the level of you know um artistry that i'm bringing to the kit of like you know really giving my all and giving my best so i use the star series maple um that's the kit that i you know kind of take around and then at home in my studio i have the um star series Walnut, which i freaking love because it's, it's it's the best of both worlds like the maple is really clear and like just you know Really punchy and low. You know, you you can you can tweak them up and make them sound like a Bob kit. You can you know tweak them down and make them sound like a, a funk kit. Um, but they're just it, the, the maple kit is just like a clean, beautiful set of drums. The walnut has a lot of character and it has a lot of warmth. So I feel like with maple you get the attack, with walnut you get the warmth. So even when you lay into the drum, it's just more warmth coming. You know, and so I feel like in the in the tone, um, the tones are really beautiful. So. Yeah, those are the kits that I have. Um, But then I really did all of Tim was like low-end stuff too. Like I love their swing star stuff. Like one of my um, mentees, he just got the, I think it's the hybrid Maple Birch star Mm -hmm. classic. No drums, sound killing. You know, and even when I've been on the road, I've had to use different drums. Um, Their Babinga, you know, star series is killing. So like when I look at a drum company, obviously I I like to play the high-end stuff, but I also like a drum company that if I play something lower-end or entry-level, I still want to hear that same level of excellence in Mm -hmm. the drums. And what I like about Tama is that from, you know, their jam, club jam, you know, three, four hundred dollar kit all the way up to, you know, my series of drums that I have, they all have that same attention to detail on how they craft the drums and the snare drums. So, um, yeah, I really like them because I feel like there's only about maybe two or three companies that are hand making their stuff um, with that kind of detail. Which, you know, also means it takes longer to get it. But by the time Mm -hmm. you get it, it's an instrument that and you know about this, like it's an instrument that grows and evolves. You know, like like what drums are you playing?
1: Oh, then here it's an old uh, Ludwig 68 kit, but I have a Bucks County drums. He's a good friend of mine in Pennsylvania. And that's why I use this stuff, because I know. He's the only person making that drum. He's making the shells. Exactly. He's shaping the edges. Like we have conversations exactly. about tone right. every week or so.
0: <laughs> right, right, and that, and that's another thing. Like so, I also have a relationship with Noble and Cooley, mm-hmm. and I use their snare drum. And that's, I mean, you know, that's the thing to me. When you deal with a drum company that is making a drum, and to your point, like they they can talk to you and be like nerds about the bearing mm-hmm. edges and all that. It may seem menial or kind of like. You know, just not relevant. But when you sit down and you strike into that drum versus striking into another drum that, that has, doesn't have that same artistry, it's been, you know, created in an assembly line in the middle of nowhere, you know, and just throw some cheap heads on there. The, you know, I find that the really great drums, they make art before you start making art. Like, you know, you, you, you put your finger on a Noble and coolie drum or even like that love with kid you got, you know, from the 60s, you, you just tap it and the drum's already making music.
1: Yep. You know yep. what I mean? So I think
0: for, for me, it's less work when the drum is already crafted in such a way where it's helping me make music versus um, other scenarios where, where that's not the case.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, we haven't talked about your cymbals. What's your current oh. cymbal setup?
0: <laughs> man, I'm a, yeah, I'm a cymbal freak, man. I love Zildjian. I mean, I've been with Zildjian for a long time, you know, Um, I think there are other companies out there making great stuff, but I think Zildjian has the consistency. Um, I also love it that I've been using prototypes. So I I I have a few different setups. One setup is um, a 21 inch prototype um, ride symbol, a a 20 kind of bounce ride, uh, like K Constantinople kind of ride, bounce-ish. I'm using, um, I always have like either like this really killing K19 cluster crash. It's beautiful. Um, And then I always have some kind of an effect symbol. So like right now I've been messing around with their new like Raw Crash. Mm -hmm. Um, I also have like their K-Dark Extreme, which has all the holes in it, Um, and I really dig that. And then I always have like some kind of a splash symbol, like whether it's like, you know, the A-Custom, you know, FX Splash or a K-Custom FX Splash, like a 10 or 12. And then Hi-Hats, recently they sent me some uh, concept hats that are like 13, so I use a concept uh, 13, on the top and on the bottom, I use a K-Dark mm. um, 13. And it sounds really nice, kind of creamy. But then I love, you know, Big Hats too. I use like 16s, you know, like I love the the um, the Avidus series. Mm-hmm. I think that's one of the, you know, kind of what the new beats used to be. Like the new beat, you know, hats, that was like everybody's like general hi-hats. I really feel that the Avidus series is that series, you know, like like it's that sound where like if you don't have a lot of money and you just like, you need to get one pair of hi-hats and you need them to work for a lot of different things. I think the Ovidus is a series where you could play jazz, you could play rock, you play, you know, like whatever you need. Um, and that's what I also love about Zildjian is the variety, you know? Um, so yeah, I use it. But I mean, yeah, I, I, I got a lot of symbols, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but, but it always is a 22 inch, you know, ride kind of a dark, 21 or 22 then like a 20 with a rivet i always my left side symbol always has at least one or two rivets Mm -hmm. because i play a lot of ballads and things where i need that color and then, like i said i love that sort of thin crash like just a pure crash especially for big band because laying into the 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 crash with the rivets is cool but sometimes i need something that's quick and gets out of the way Mm -hmm. um and the cluster or um i love the constantinople atm or 18 um thin crash or medium crash, like all of those are great as well. Or sometimes I'll do like just the dark K17 or 18. Like anything that's just kind of in and out. Um and then yeah, like I said, something trashy. So I like to I like to make sure, you know, like lewis Nash told me many years ago, um, you know, your rise symbol is your planet Earth. And then all the other symbols are like the surrounding planets. Um, you know, and so you want to make sure like obviously you start with like what is what is the, the symbol that's gonna you know, nurture all your musical possibilities. And then once you have that, you then want to pair everything else kind of around that to be complementary to that. You know, like it's always funny to me, like nowadays I, I, I hear drummers with these dark cymbals, you know, or or they put tape on their cymbals. Um, and I don't understand that, you know, cause I'm like a cymbal is meant to sustain and to, and to ring and to be able to create a lot of possibilities. And it's your technique that can decide how you want that cymbal mm-hmm. to, to to move versus people who, you know, put all this tape and shit on the on the symbol. They're trying to control it around their insufficiencies. Mm-hmm. So I would say to any drummers that are watching this um, interview, take the tape off your symbol. And if you want a drier symbol, then get a drier symbol. But if you have a symbol that has a lot of sound figure out how to alter your, your, your touch or even get a different stick. You know, I mean, I know some people who, you know, if they're looking for like a really light sound, they'll play a lighter stick. If they want like a, the symbol to get a bigger spread, they'll play a bigger beat. So learn how to alter your technique and, or, or or stick selection to be able to manipulate the symbol as it is versus, um, you know, it's like fighting somebody and holding them down so you can beat them up. You know, <laughs> it's like, it's like, no, nah, man, you know, learn, 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 learn how to box, you know?
1: So. <laughs> <laughs> I just had a boxing conversation with Brenton Buckley last week. So, uh all right, well, I know you got to run. So, let's wrap it no, up. So with, I'll take a few I I'll, yeah, I'll a uh, few more. The prescription this, yeah. for, you know, we're going to send somebody off. If you're going to give them one or two records that you think they should listen to for ride symbol,
0: mm-hmm.
1: one or two records for comping, one or two records for soloing.
0: Man, that's so
1: hard. I know it's hard. All it's right. like on the spot. So
0: <laughs> so I will say, I will say um if you are serious about playing jazz and you want to understand the the um how this music was constructed, you have to start with Kenny Clark. Mm-hmm. My entry point to Kenny Clark was through Kenny Washington and he told me to pick up the Miles Davis record called Walking. Um, it's a really beautiful record. I, I think it was made like in the late '40s, um, but great record, and it is just some really beautiful ride symbol playing. And what's interesting is when you hear Kenny on that record, the ride symbol playing. So I know I've been talking about this over and over again, but for the, uh, for those that don't know, the basic ride symbol pattern is one, two, three, four, dang, dang, the dang, da-dang, dang, the dang, dang, the dang, or I like to say thing spangling spangling that's the basic rhyme pattern which is based around triplets right well what's really hip about kenny Cart is that kenny Cart on that record is doing like mm. and if you notice a lot of the older drummers like him connie k some of those early swing drummers, their ride cymbal beat was much more. I think, I think it was a little bit more eight, uh, sixteenth note oriented. So I think it's important for drummers to hear that, and then you know, because most of us start with Tony, you know, and that's like way down you mm-hmm. know. So anyway, so that's the first thing. I think Walking is a great record, and I also think that um, Jimmy Cobb on on um, Kinda Blue, which is still one of the highest grossing. Um, or selling jazz records uh, ever. I think Jimmy Cobb does some of the most beautiful ride cymbal playing. like on Freddy the Fleet Free Roller, You know, ding 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 da. I mean, it's just right. It's just right down the middle. Nothing mysterious. So I think those two records really show like kind of unadulterated like ride cymbal playing. Mm-hmm. um as it pertains to comping i think philly joe jones um My- milestones which is miles davis's record as well i think that's a really great it's like a dream list right like to hear all that you know like really just precise um uh, i think that's great and then i also think Art taylor um you know any any of the stuff he did you know with uh Cedar Walton, whatever. But, but specifically, um, I would think about the John Coltrane record, um, Giant Steps. Mm-hmm. But but any artel, I think, I think those guys are really great because they understand like they can play like really busy, but it's like the comping is really supportive. Like it, it it really makes sense.
2: Mm-hmm. And
0: versus now you have a lot of guys who are just playing patterns like you know, it's like all over the drums, but it's not comping. And I always say to people, comping. Is, is it should be a supportive thing. Comping is something that, you know, like if you say to me, "Hey man, I'm going to the store," I say, "Oh cool. Would you like me to go with you?" That's an accompaniment to what mm-hmm. you're doing, not "Hey man, I'm going to the store." You know, man, actually, I don't really care about what you do, man. You want you want to hear about my day, right? Like <laughs> I can so no, so nothing is nothing I said compliments or assist you in what you're talking about, and that's what I tell people. You know, I use that analogy a lot. But that's what we do musically. Somebody will play, you know, beat, pop, beat, pop, boo 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 ha And you'll hear somebody being like, you know, and I'm like, what does that actually do have to do with what that person played as opposed to be like, beep ba ta, da ba-da, ba-da, ba ba-da, ba 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 Right? Like, yeah. that's what copying is. Um, when it comes to soloing, I mean, I think... Uh, I mean, I, I think Alvin is an incredible solo, you know, cat. Um, you know, there's a there's a track called Rayel. Um, I feel like it's on a Duke Pearson record, or no, maybe it's on the Elvin record, I can't remember, but but Alvin takes like eight or so out front. It's some of the most beautiful soloing ever. Um, and then I would say Max Roach, you know, any of that Clifford Brown and Max Roach, you know, studying Brown or like any, any of that stuff. I mean, Max plays so much stuff and he's and he's he's constructing beautiful, he's constructing like melodies on the drums. Um, so I think those are those are some records that I think are really great because I always say people you got to go back to like the beginning I mean I'm not going to take people as far back as like you know Baby Dodds you know with that but I think that you cannot talk about soloing and any of that stuff without dealing with those guys and I kind of want to interject as well um, I, I want to encourage drummers to play brushes mm-hmm. I'm very big um, on brush playing and I'm a huge advocate for it I think that Every, you know, every drummer, even if they're a jazz drummer or rock drummer or whatever, like everybody knows a rock groove or the funk. So I feel like brushes should be the same thing. Um, and with that said, I want everybody to check out Homage and Balls live at the Pershing with the great drummer, Brunel Fournier. I think that is one of the um, seminal records of jazz drumming, not just brush playing. I think Brunel is is, is his own vocabulary. And, and if you call yourself a jazz drummer you've never checked out Brunel Fournier you're doing yourself a huge disservice um so yeah those are those are some things I think you should check out
1: sweet man well thank you for for hanging out I know you've got to run and do some more teaching um cool. what is the best way for people to keep up to date with what you're doing
0: well first of all you know I gotta plug my books um <laughs> yeah, man, so please it. please check out Jazz Brushes for the Modern Drummer um, I released it on Howl Leonard. Uh, publication or with that publisher about two years ago so you know if you want to go further into jazz brushes um and learning it's 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 again multi-dimensional it's a book it's also a play along that I, I designed for you to play along it's also a video um, so it's really cool and it's and it's kind of a historical text um, i actually do go back to the very beginning of you know early 1900s of who are some of the pioneers of, of this art form so please check that out I also have a career entrepreneurship book called The Musician's Career Guide Turning Your Talent into Sustained Success um, that was distributed by Simon & Schuster and so you know like once you're kind of not dealing with the instrument and you're trying to deal with strategy and making moves um, check that out in terms of following me UsoJazzy or you know com, which will lead you to UsoJazzy, UsoJazzy.com. Um, also Instagram I love Instagram As you know I'm mm-hmm. very active on there So I'm at USCZoneStreamer underscore um, Also Facebook And you know, Twitter And all that But I think you know, Instagram is my favorite So you can find me there And you know If, if you want to reach out to me On my website There's ways to reach You know Reach me So I'm, I tell people I'm very very accessible Like if, if people send me a message Just like you did And um, it's a genuine message I will respond to you if you want me to check out your videos, you want me to, you know, listen to your records. Like I, I'm busy, but if you send me a genuine message connecting with me, I make it. I, I, I pride myself on trying to respond to as many people as possible because, you know, we, we. I remember, you know, when I first got into this music, and you know, Mulgrew Miller and and Lewis Nash and, and all the great drummers, they were, you know, musicians. They would all reach back out to me. They would, um, you know, they would talk to me. They would send me messages because this this music is about the community. Mm -hmm. so i i I try to you know be that resource for as many musicians as i possibly can so
1: right on well thanks so much appreciate you thank you man that's it for this week's episode hope you enjoyed that chat with ulysses if you'd like to show please drop us a five-star rating and a review over on itunes or spotify or wherever you get your podcast that helps spread the word and until next week stay safe stay warm and i'll see you then